Welcome to The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Today, as part of our family, you will experience the life-changing and spirit-nurturing Word of God. Please enjoy this time with us, where we're committed to helping you grow in knowledge, grow in faith, and grow in God. St. Mark Baptist Church, you grow here. Well, welcome back to the Grow Factor podcast, the broadcast ministry of the St. Mark Baptist Church here in Little Rock, Arkansas. My name is Pastor John. I am the Connections Pastor here at St. Mark, and I'm joined by our senior pastor, Dr. Philip L. Pointer Sr., as this is the Grow Factor. And this season, we are really getting into it, diving into the book of Exodus as we talk about what it means to traverse deep waters mm-hmm. and uh, deliverance and duty, what, what it is what is our deliverance and then what it is that is our duty as a result of that deliverance. So this episode, we're going to talk about making bricks without straws. You don't want to miss this one because we're talking about oppression in the Christian experience and you don't want to miss it. Pastor Pointer. Now, last time we we helped people get in some good trouble, <laughs> so we took them up on the mountain. Yeah. Last episode, last last go round. Well, this time we're gonna slide in a little bit of a valley. Yeah. And talk about oppression and the Christian experience in light of what happens in the Book of Exodus. Now mm-hmm. we've just recorded and talked about the call of Moses and how that call comes with questions. And how Moses gets support from his brother, mm-hmm. Aaron. And so now, Moses and Aaron now go to deliver the news to God's people, uh, starting at the end of chapter number four. Mm-hmm. And they meet the elders of Israel, and they give them some some good news. Yeah. Hey, we're, we're coming to announce to Pharaoh yeah. to let our people go. And I'm sure they were excited at that point. Yeah. When they understand that, man, God's answered our prayer. They, they got, he got Mo, and he got Aaron <laughs> yeah. coming through to, to say, help us get out of this situation. But it doesn't unfold the way you would think if you have these two figures coming by God's direction yeah. to tell folks, hey, it's time for us to go. And God gave us a message to Pharaoh. Yeah. So here's the thing, man. The promise of freedom is wonderful, but the process of freedom can be excruciating Mm -hmm. and frustrating and can cause you to doubt the promise of freedom. And that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what happens uh, here in this uh, in this portion of the book of Exodus. The people Mm -hmm. are, you know, initially like, "Woo, finally, you know, 400 years, let's go, let's roll. And then it's like, no, not yet. <laughs> like, wait, well, slow down, Doc. Slow down. Wait, 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 wait. Right. You mean we're not ready to go right now? Yeah. Um, I mean, they, 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 they've been crying out to God. We, we read that mm-hmm. in chapter three. Mm-hmm. They've cried out to God. God said, I've heard their cry. I have come down. God says, I have come down to deliver them. And Moses, I'm sending you. Moses is reluctant and, and, and reticent. And then he says, all right, I'm going to give you Aaron. So now you got two uh, God-called God sent spokesman. There you go. Yep. And and the great deliverer, and we'll learn later in Exodus, Aaron is going to become uh, the high priest. And you got these, they got major calls of God on their lives. Mm. And yet with all of that 
what we would call anointing and, and, and assignment and all of that stuff, it's still a process and it is not an easy one or a quick one. Hmm. In fact, things actually get worse yeah. before they get better. Before they get better. <laughs> and that's what we see in the chapter number four, verse 31. The people believed everything that Moses and Aaron told them. Mm-hmm. And when they heard that the Lord had paid attention to them and that he had seen their misery, they knelt low yeah. and worshiped. Yeah. Ooh, what a way to end a chapter. <laughs> but oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Once we dive into chapter number five. Chapter five. Chapter number five begins with Moses and Aaron coming straight to Pharaoh and demanding their freedom. Verse number one. Later, Moses and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord said, what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. And then look at Pharaoh's response. Who is the Lord Mm -hmm. that I should obey him by letting Israel go? I don't know the Lord. And besides, I will not let Israel go. So first of all, he says, I don't even know Mm -hmm. this God. Yeah. We got so many gods. Who is this one? Because yeah. I, ain't, I ain't never heard of this one. Mm-hmm. And then he says that your bondage is too important for me mm-hmm. to let you go. Yeah. It is a spiritual and social reality that power concedes nothing unless a demand is placed upon it. That you, mm-hmm. People who are benefited by (laughs) oppressive systems don't want those systems go away (laughs) um and certainly satan who is the eternal enemy of our souls certainly does not relent freedom he doesn't want you to hear and understand the gospel Mm -hmm. he doesn't want you as a person who is an unbeliever to understand the good news the bible says that the god of this world blinds the minds of those uh who are unbelieving uh nor does he want the believer to grasp all of the implications of the gospel. Mm. Yeah. Um, because if he cannot keep you from going to heaven, he wants to keep you joyless and ineffective while you're on earth. Yeah. Uh, and so that is, that's, a, that's a reality that is both social and spiritual, and we see it uh, historically in so many different ways. Uh, and we're going to see it in Exodus chapter 5, and we're going to see it uh, how it has played out in history in, in our nation and continues to play out in our spiritual experience as well. Mm. You know. so, and each one of these sessions, we kind of look at a text that serves as kind of the shift text in the entire text before we go into detail on the contents itself. And I think the text here in this particular chapter is, is verse number seven, where Pharaoh now talks to these foremen that we'll talk about here in just a minute and says to them, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks. Mm -hmm. This is in verse number seven. Don't continue to supply the people with straw for making bricks as before. They must go and gather straw for themselves. Mm -hmm. So now they are required to make bricks without straws. Now in this culture, straw served a very important purpose and it was to bind this clay so mm-hmm. that the bricks are made from this clay molding that the straw was added to and mixed to to make these bricks mm-hmm. so all of y'all who go to egypt and you on ig posting all these pyramids <laughs> these were actually made in history mm-hmm. by a group of people who were slaves and it's amazing to see that without cranes and without other devices 
that these folks were able to put together these magnificent um, edifices that people still go to see to this day and still marvel at them. Like, I know we're able to build large buildings, the Sears Tower in Chicago, like other large buildings, but they did this just with their bare hands and without any help. And he made it worse on them here. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the, the historical and archaeological um, uh, uh, marvel that are uh, these monuments in Egypt, I mean, the precision, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there's all kinds of, of, of details about how precise and accurate and, and you know, almost perfect <laughs> these buildings are in terms of their alignment and how they align with the stars and all of those things. Um, the engineering marvel is incredible, but the, mm. the process of making them uh, was an excruciating um, experience of oppression for those who actually had to make them. Among them at this point in history of our text, it's going to be Israel in Egypt uh, and the that straw, like rebar in concrete. It's a yeah. It's to hold it together, um, and the idea is, you know, it was there, it was available, mm. and now he's saying you have to go get it for yourself. You know, you have to be <laughs> even more complicit in your own oppression mm. uh, by having to go get the a basic necessity mm. to hold together this work that doesn't even mm. benefit you in any way. Yeah. And, and we've been talking about both spiritual and the social realities of text, and also looking uh, comparatively at the African-American experience in the United States. And I mean, there's such a clear comparison here mm-hmm. when you talk about this bricks without straw comparison, because in 1793, uh, there was a, an intervention mm-hmm. that came to pass that actually moved our nation away from two other crops to to cotton mm-hmm. um, and that it was the cotton gin yep. by um, Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin that was made to separate the seeds from the cotton which meant that the enslaved people who were picking the cotton had to increase productivity mm-hmm. as a result of this new invention because of the economic windfall that came from being able to produce more cotton and to be able to become an industry mm-hmm. in the United States. Yeah, that, that textile shift, uh, it, you know, so the, the cash crops initially were rice and tobacco, especially in the Carolinas. Uh, tobacco was a, a major cash crop, mm-hmm. um, but the cotton gin enabled the cotton to be processed from its raw state to a uh, usable state more uh, quickly. And as such, the the need for cotton mm. for an amount uh, to keep that process going uh, increased exponentially. That's why the typical uh, historical picture of enslaved people uh, is of them picking cotton. And some of our foreparents and some of you, uh, our senior saints, even grew up in perhaps sharecropping uh, kind of experiences where uh, you you had to chop cotton. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so that's not so far back. You talk about 1793, the invention of cotton gin, but its ramifications and impact mm. hit the lives of some people who are uh, with us right now, who are watching right now. They can put it in the comments uh, that they, too, grew up chopping cotton mm. uh, because uh, of the long-reaching effects mm. of 
that kind of oppression. Yeah, and it not only had economic consequences, like there were demographic shifts Mm -hmm. that occurred because of this, because in 1793, there were 650,000 around that amount of enslaved people here in the U.S. After the cotton gin was invented, obviously they're going to need more laborers, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So uh, in many instances where breeding occurred in order to make sure that there were more enslaved people to do more work. Yep. So ultimately, by 1850, you go from 650,000 people to 3.2 million enslaved people mm-hmm. in the U.S. And yep. 1.8 million of them cultivated cotton alone. So they, they knew what they were doing. Yes. They yes. wanted to increase the workforce mm-hmm. by forcing mm-hmm. <laughs> slaves upon one another. Yeah. And and, and it, it it is not just an economic issue the, the the economic issue of um enriching yourself on the back of uh, another person's labor is one side but then the the inevitable traumatic response uh to being forced to labor without any personal benefit mm-hmm. um creates and and that forced breeding uh created individual trauma and then family trauma and dysfunction that affects African-American descendants of enslaved people today Mm -hmm. so that they've proven scientifically. We've talked about this in other uh, episodes in past seasons that they've proven that trauma is passed down Mm -hmm. in DNA, that you can inherit trauma Mm -hmm. from your parents. And so if you have an ancestor that's a that was an enslaved person, there's DNA. There's something in you that causes you to be born traumatized. Additionally, the social factors of of breeding and selective breeding like you would do with uh, cattle or people do with dogs and those kinds of things uh, that creates um, polyamorous uh, uh, understandings of how relationship works. So uh, rather than a husband and a wife and and raising their children, uh, a man was valued for his ability to produce strong children with multiple women. Uh, That prevents him from being a father. Hmm. It also prevents him from, because he cannot provide hmm. for his children. Um, the children don't know their dad, that kind of thing. Then uh, that man and that woman have a physical relationship that does not have uh, the type of depth and communication and, hmm. and, and affection that goes beyond just making a baby. Uh, you know, that's that's the original baby mama, baby daddy culture. Uh, you get Beyond that, you then see the intentional mm. sowing of seeds within the minds of black women who are enslaved uh, to say that the man who made the baby ain't worth anything. Mm. <laughs> and so the man sees his worth in making children. The woman is then told he's not worth anything because he can't help you with these children. Mm. Mm. Uh, and so you cr- you create this lasting tension and mistrust uh, between uh, enslaved persons who want to have these uh, marital or romantic relationships. And Mm. that lives with us to this day. Yeah. Uh, All because Mm. cotton was making a lot of money. (laughs) 
So it wasn't just economic, it was social. Social. And really was traumatizing. Relational and, and then spiritual. Yeah. 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 So what we do find, though, is that over two-thirds of the world's exports of cotton. Mm -hmm. At this time, you got to think, the U.S. is still colonizing, (laughs) quote-unquote. So it's not the United States that we come to know, but two-thirds of the world's export of cotton is coming from that East Coast area mm-hmm. in the United States. And, and southern, those southern states, yeah. So, so when, we, when we think about the economic drivers of this country, like there are people who believe, oh, steel is what built America. And, and the truth of the matter is, the one thing that built our society economically yeah. was cotton. Cotton. And was driven by enslaved people. Mm-hmm. So when y'all out there talk about reparations and we don't need no reparations, we built this country <laughs> <laughs> on the labor of our backs, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. And to yeah. ignore that reality is to ignore the wealth building um, idea that cotton was. Yeah. Cotton was wealth. Yes. In the United States, which led to land ownership yes. and other wealth building mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And for us to be the people who actually drove that economy. Mm-hmm. And now people are saying that we have to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Right. When we've been bootstrapping the whole time yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the 1800s, um, there has to be some cognitive dissonance there for people to say, that that black folks uh, were not involved in that process when we were the wealth yeah. in this country. Yeah. It, and and beyond that, um, the lasting social ramifications, the ongoing uh, social and relational and economic ramifications of those kinds of things um, cannot be disputed, cannot be denied, and to do so is to be intellectually and spiritually dishonest. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we'll get to ex, get it in Exodus in a moment, but one of the things that happens in Exodus and one of the principles of the Bible mm-hmm. is that you don't send out a person who had been enslaved without compensating them for their labor. That's it. Uh, and so that becomes, um, that becomes one of the ongoing realities of economic inequity mm-hmm. that happens in our land even today. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the with the prison uh, system, where essentially it's a new slavery. Uh, Michelle uh, Alexander's work, The New Jim Crow, uh, speaks about the prison system as the new slavery, mm. a- enabling people to force labor without adequate, sufficient mm. compensation. These are offenses, not just to the social and economic reality. They are, but they are offenses to Scripture and the Bible. And these are areas where we have to bring the Bible to bear mm. in the discussion of how persons who are even incarcerated are remunerated for the labor they offer. And it's, it's normalized. Yeah. I, I mean, during the pandemic, I'm sitting listening to a city commission meeting and there's one commissioner, a white gentleman who says, man, I just can't wait until we can get those prisoners back out there to dig these ditches. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says this live on camera mm-hmm. because it's normalized. Because yes. 
that's free labor for us so mm-hmm. that we don't have to budget for it. Yes. Because we could just take them out of prison and put them out there to, quote unquote, dig these ditches. Yeah. And this, again, is bricks without straw. Mm. This is this is this is this is the ongoing experience of that yeah. as it happened biblically. So it has happened historically and it is still happening mm. uh, socially yeah. in, in, in other experiences. It even underpaying. Mm-hmm. a person for their labor mm. is a part of this inequity. Yeah, and uh, we, we've seen that historically, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about sharecropping. Uh, some of our Golden Saints may remember. Mm-hmm. They work day and night yeah. uh, to lease, tenant lease mm-hmm. properties for them to be able to get just enough yeah. to get by at the end of the month. So they're always working from behind. Mm-hmm. This is the way that many Southern plantation owners were able to retain mm-hmm. enslaved people without calling them enslaved people. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell me you got slaves without telling me you got <laughs> right, slaves. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the idea is paying that low wage that creates a, a need for public assistance. If it's available, mm-hmm. um, it is, it is, it is, again, this is offending. This is an offense to God. Mm-hmm. This is an offense to God. And, and that's what's happening Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. If you are on the side of unfair wages or inequity in 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 wages, whether that's racial, whether that's paying a woman less than you pay a man, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like, if you are on that side, you are siding with Pharaoh mm-hmm. in this text, mm-hmm. not with the God who wants to deliver. Yeah. That that's tough. Yeah. That's tough. But you mentioned the history of just labor activism. Uh, in the U.S. because there are people who have been underpaid um, following Reconstruction during Jim Crow, during the Civil Rights era. What we've seen is that there was a lot of labor activism around those issues. Um, the, one, the first was a group of women in Atlanta who were laundromat workers mm-hmm. uh, in 1881, 1881. And that group of women were able to uh, mobilize folks during P- Re- Reconstruction and they were able to get better wages for themselves as black women. And the first organizers post Civil War mm-hmm. was black women. Yeah. Ain't yeah. that always the case? It did always. Black it women always. be cur <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. So what we also saw was the March on Washington mm-hmm. and people stopped there. Right. It's, it wasn't it wasn't just the March, the March on, on Washington. Washington. No. No. <laughs> March on Washington for jobs. <laughs> Social. Yeah. yeah. Martin Luther King was in social justice. I have a dream <laughs> was for mm. jobs. That, mm. that was that's what it was about. Mm. About jobs. He said I, wages. I come here to collect the debt. Yep. On that check that y'all wrote, y'all wrote in the, the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And I need to collect that debt. Yeah. You, we don't talk about that. No, they don't like they that. They want to talk about Kumbaya and yeah. getting on the mountaintop, but Non-violence. but mm-hmm. King came for a march on Washington for jobs. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why he was two hours away in Memphis mm-hmm. the night before he died with this famous uh, mountaintop speech. He's there not to preach. Mm-mm. He's there to actually support the Memphis sanitation workers strike where, where three men were crushed. Two men were crushed mm-hmm. in the back of a truck and they didn't have un- They weren't able to unionize, yeah. didn't have the benefits that other white workers had. And they were striking. That's yeah. where you see those famous I am a man posters. Mm-hmm. Those iconic images that that we see, uh, and King was there to support this group of people, 
and he gets assassinated there because he's stirring up good trouble. Yeah, yeah. And in the, it is it is the pattern, and I want to make sure we grab how this is Exodus yep. coming forward. It is the pattern of oppressive regimes and systems to intensify hmm. the oppression, to angrily respond to cries for freedom rather than to relent and to say, no, you got it. Okay, you're right, I'm wrong. That's not, that's not what oppressive systems and, and spirits and their earthly representatives do. Mm. They, they intensify the, the, the oppression, and that's the bricks without straw. That's mm. what you see. Mm. Uh, whenever there seems to be any social uh, progress, there seems to be a violent response mm. uh, to social progress, and that is um, on par with what we see with the spirit of Pharaoh in this passage and throughout history mm. today. Yeah. yeah. So how is it now that we've provided that historical context around bricks and straw, not just for the Israelites, but for God's people throughout time, how is it that we find God's faithfulness in the midst of bricks and straws? Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it here in the text in several different ways, but I want to start here in verse number one, because it's going to demonstrate to us that, we see the people of God enslaved, but we also see that they still belong to God yeah. in verse 1. It says, Later Moses and Aaron went in and said to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, mm-hmm. so they may hold a festival for me in the wilderness. So what this text tells us is that the Israelites are God's people, even though they're oppressed, right. even though they're in these circumstances, God clearly distinguishes them and says, these are my people and I need you to let them go. The key to understanding the whole experience of the Exodus is that personal possessive pronoun, my. Mm. My. God claims and owns and and pulls. He God then identifies God's self with mm. those people who are dealing with the most extreme and difficult and excruciating experiences of oppression. They belong to me Hmm. is God's thing. So Hmm. I've picked them. I've chosen them. I want them. They're mine. Hmm. Um, It is a wonderful reminder that we do not belong to our circumstances, Hmm. our troubles. We we are not identified by that. We're not identified by the things we go through. We, We are identified by the God who claims us as God's own, mm. you know, and that personal possessive pronoun is so important um, to, to remind yourself. And, you know, I'm, I want people to be careful <laughs> about affirmations and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that you can affirm consistently and should affirm consistently is God calls me mm. his or mm. God calls me mine. Mm. You know what I mean? That kind of that kind of understanding and grasp of uh, of, of God's sense of ownership I possess I own you and not in the same way that uh that a person owns property but in the way that you would say these are my children Mm. you know what I mean or this is my boo Mm. you know that kind of thing it's it's a it's an affectionate claim Mm. uh and that is that is the what God and I love this because God publicly Mm. through Moses and Aaron God publicly professes Mm. his own Mm. uh his his sense of ownership of the people of God it's like he does with Jesus mm. in 
the baptism experience in, in, in the Gospels. When Jesus comes up out of the water before a miracle is worked, before water to wine and walking <laughs> on the water, any of the, he says, this is my mm. beloved son mm. uh, in whom I'm well pleased. In fact, Pastor John, I just want to run a New Testament passage just comes to my heart here in First in Peter uh, chapter 2. And um, just just a just a quick reminder about this, and I like the 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 old King James translates it a certain way that makes people misunderstand the passage. Mm-hmm. So I want to read it to you in the CSB uh, so that you you get it. First Peter chapter two verse nine. But you are a chosen race, mm-hmm. a royal priesthood. A holy nation. Old King James says a peculiar people. And we think that means, oh, I'm strange. I'm supposed to be strange. No, the the proper translation that CSB and others, a people for his possession. Or some translations say a people he purchased. A purchased Mm. people. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That Mm. passage Hmm. is the that's something to do an affirmation about chosen and 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 holy and hmm. a perch he own he these are my people those are worthy affirmations yes yeah, worthy affirmations so, i like that i think this is this is god's tiktok moment you know that <laughs> that meme it's like i don't play <laughs> about, about this one here. <laughs> <laughs> this is his moment saying listen i, I don't play about those folks yeah. those are those are my people because what it ultimately leads to is that God's election is always accompanied by God's protection. Mm-hmm. That when God says that, that this one is mine, and we see that in the life of Jesus, yeah. that when he affirms him immediately, yeah. he goes out into the wilderness to be tempted. by yeah. the, devil. the spirit drives him there. Yep, exactly. Yet God's protection is still there with him in the wilderness and it's to serve as an example for us mm-hmm. that that when God says that you're his, mm-hmm. that that you're his, that he's going to protect you, that, yeah. that he's going to cover you. Now, obviously, there are things that are going to come along in our lives where we are oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but God's going to be able to protect us in a way that demonstrates to us that we are still loved mm-hmm. in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's in that moment that I've got to do that that hard thing which is to try not to interpret my god through the lens of my circumstance but Mm -hmm. to interpret my circumstance through the lens of who my god is Mm -hmm. so that i'm not trying to figure out god based on what's happening i'm trying to understand what's happening based on who god is that's good and that so that it's painful and it hurts and i don't like it and God, I wish this would hurry up and get over with. And you say you're going to deliver me, but now it's getting worse. I got bricks without straw happening in my life. And, and, and I got to see that God must be up to something. God mm. must be doing something. And we'll see that God is really after Pharaoh. He's, getting, he's really proving something mm. uh, through your life uh, as much as he's doing something in your life. Uh, but, but, but knowing your God's, your, your God's own purchased, possessed possession uh, helps you to, to manage those seasons that are so, so trying and difficult. Yeah. So we see that, that God's people are enslaved, but they belong to God still. Mm-hmm. Also in this text, what we're going to find is that the people actually make a reasonable request. Yeah. Yeah. You can't um, fault them. You can't fault them. They, they were only requesting, <laughs> as we see in verse number three, after he says, who is your God? And I don't know him. 
they only actually request to worship him. Mm-hmm. Um, in verse number three, they answer him, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go on a three-day trip mm-hmm. into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God or else he may strike us with plague or sword. So they wanted to go to sacrifice in the wilderness because animals were sacred to the Egyptians. This is why it's important for you to understand as we talked last season to understand the context because Mm -hmm. they're in a context where animals are actually worshiped across the board. We're going to see this later in our sessions. So they're actually saying, hey, it's reasonable for us for y'all not to see what we about to do to them. Yeah, so (laughs) Egyptians held animals in higher esteem Mm. than they did many people groups yeah we we see that some places too in our in our kind of inside out culture where people are more in love with their animal than they are with other people Uh-oh. uh our dog folks just done left i don't know i wasn't talking about i didn't call no <laughs> species of animal i just said some people do that kind of stuff <laughs> they have them on airplanes and stuff anyway the, the, the point i'm making is church that around uh, Egyptians perceived animals to be these, you know, they they, they worship them. Um, And so the Hebrews have a history of animal sacrifice that comes all the way back from Papa Adam and Mama Eve. The first thing that God does is is take animal skins and cover them uh, after the fall of humankind Hmm. um, through their disobedience. We see uh, Abel offering animals to God in Genesis chapter four that's why Cain doesn't like him because his offering is received um, mm-hmm. we see it Moses gets uh, or rather Noah rather gets out of the ark and first thing he does is build an offer, altar and sacrifice animals so that's a, it's a long standing uh, the ram in the bush in Genesis 22 Abraham instead of offering his son God sends him a ram as a replacement as a substitute so we see this long history of animal sacrifice as mm-hmm. the Hebrews and what we come to understand mm. is that they have not been able, as it were, because of their enslavement, to worship God in the way that they know to worship God, which is to sacrifice. Yeah, you know. Which, by the way, that's a good little thing. That's a little preaching point right here, Pastor John. Because <laughs> the thing about it is, you haven't worshipped if you haven't sacrificed anything. Mm. My God, have mercy here. Mm. And the Ramaha. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the that's the cultural rub they have as enslaved people. They're not free to express themselves to God mm. uh, in a major way, and so they say, "Hey, look, God said, let my people go into the wilderness. Give me three days. Let us sacrifice." Now, you know, here's one of the one of the sticky points about the text interpretively. What would have happened if Pharaoh said, "Okay, cool, right." Yeah, you can go for three days. Mm. Was Moses lying? You know, <laughs> gonna I mean? keep going. Yeah, oh, <laughs> psych. You know, is it like that, <laughs> or, or, or what it is? I, I, I think this statement, obviously, of mm. uh, the foreknowledge of God, and we'll talk about Pharaoh's heart being hardened. Mm-hmm. It, we know, it's going to be a no. Mm. In fact, God had predicted to Moses mm. the no in the first place. Um, but, but, but that cultural mm. rub. Mm is what creates an ongoing tension that is going to then result mm. in these plagues that are going to happen mm. in, in, in the next little piece of, of, our, of our study. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, the crazy part for me is that they're making this reasonable request, yet 
he pushes back on that. And it seems like sometimes, especially when you think about contemporary culture, or you think about the history of the U.S., that sometimes our, our reasonable requests make others think that they need to sacrifice what they consider sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, you, when you think about the history and tradition of our activism, the stuff we asking for regular is reasonable regular stuff i just want a regular class with regular books yeah for my kids yeah and brown versus board of education comes up and we have to litigate mm-hmm. to get equal access for human beings mm-hmm. created in the image of god that you think humans are created in mm-hmm. but because they're black and brown you treat them differently and now we got to go to court to get the equal access to the resources that you have yeah. that we haven't had access to. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because there's something sacred that you feel like you're sacrificing. Yeah. So the question now becomes is what is that idol that you're saying? Hey, hey here, here's what I'd like to do. I would just like to go vote. I'd like to cast my vote for the candidate of my choice without you trying to stand over my shoulder to intimidate me either from voting or from voting for the candidate of my choosing. Mm. I just want to be able to pass out water. Can I give somebody a bottle of water? If the who line, are in line. If the line is long. And give them some food. And maybe bring a DJ out somewhere. And, <laughs> and hang out with them a little bit. Uh, without having some type of restrictions yeah. on where I can go. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the simple things. Those simple and reasonable requests for for freedom. For liberty. Mm. For 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 full expression of my humanity is for some what 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 we would call in and prayerfully not an offensive way mm. a sacred cow mm. the idea that this thing is more important than your life mm. or and that my money or my sense of superiority or my sense of tradition and history is more important than your life that makes this freedom Mm. a fight rather than just a process Mm. so that's encouragement for you like even though your request is reasonable you best believe that there is something sacred that someone's trying to hold on to uh in this work of doing good trouble social activism and i think it it can happen individually too pastor john i think Mm. relationally among one another there can be there can be times when what you feel is a reasonable request of someone (laughs) is for them an offensive and and off-putting uh demand you know what i mean just a reasonable request of 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 basic courtesy and humanity and and the truth and those kinds of things, um, reasonable requests of of honesty and mm. relationship, those kind of things can seem like an unreasonable demand. And as such, you and I uh, can 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 get you know bogged down with why is this so hard for you? Well, it's because of the position that individual is in that makes them feel that something is more sacred Mm. than you. Well, Pastor P, I just need you to preach the gospel. That's what's sacred to me. Okay, I, I don't need all this this social stuff that you're talking about. I just oh, want yeah. you to, to preach the gospel. Yeah, well, here's the problem. The gospel is inherently social. It is spiritual and it is social. And in fact, Pastor John, I, I'm, 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 you know, jumping here again. But Luke chapter four, Jesus is going to mm. give us his initial sermon. 
and tell us exactly what he is here to do. He sure is. He's going to tell us exactly what he's here to do in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. It says he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. Then he stood up to read. Uh, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and unrolling the scroll he found the place where it was written the spirit of the Lord is on me mm. because he has anointed me to do what Jesus what has he anointed me to do preach the gospel preach the good news to the poor that's gospel to the poor that's it he sent me to pr- proclaim release to the captives Uh oh poor captives recovery of sight to the blind blind to set free the oppressed. No. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That year of the Lord's favor mm-hmm. is the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee, which was every seventh, seventh year. So 49 years. Every 49 years, the law of Moses said you released all debt mm-hmm. and all debtors. Mm-hmm. Everybody was set free. Mm-hmm. So he's to the poor. That's economic justice. The captives. That's uh, 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 I'm, I'm losing my term here, Pastor John. It's, uh, it's justice, injustice mm-hmm. uh, in the courts. Recovery of sight to the blind, that's health care justice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Set free the oppressed, that's all manner of social justice. Yep. Yep. And then economic justice again, which except the year of the Lord. Now, y'all, this, this, is it spiritual? Absolutely. Mm. Is he talking about sin? Certainly. Mm. But what he's quoting from Isaiah has to do with the coming kingdom Mm. and how the kingdom led by the king is going to look on earth. Mm. Mm. When he then prays, we are to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is, there is no spiritual and social or social. It's the same. You can't have you can't have the spiritual Jesus without the social Jesus. And I just love like right after that he rolls up the scroll. Right, right. Hands it to the attendant. Yeah. And sits down. It's like I done said all I got to say. Listen, he, and he, I ain't got to say no more. This is what I love. <laughs> Here, here's what it says, verse twenty. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Ready? He began by saying to them, "Today, as you listen." This scripture has been fulfilled. He said, that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the reason. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm here to do. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm here to do. And it makes a lot of sense that he reads that passage as his own. Now, listen, he could have read Isaiah 53, hmm. wounded for our transgressions. He could have read, yep. read the weight of the government is going to be on his shoulders in Isaiah. He was mm-hmm. a, there was a lot of spots in Isaiah mm-hmm. that talk about Jesus, but he specifically went to the one of social inequity. Why, John? Mm. Because they are in a Roman oppressive system. So good, yeah. And the people who are having it the worst are the ones who are the most primed for the good news. Now, now some scholars think that in that culture, in that society, in the synagogues, there's a scripture reading for the day. Mm -hmm. And in God's sovereignty, Mm -hmm. Jesus happens to show up (laughs) on the day. Coincidentally. Isaiah 61 is the passage to yeah. go go to. Yeah. Now, some scholars believe that's the, and that's just amazing to know that God says, you know what? This might be an issue for some folks. Yeah. So I'm not going to go with Isaiah 53. Let's no. go with the one that's going to set folks that's free. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. set them free. Yeah. And we don't apologize for seeing 
Mm. Our Jesus as the great liberator, not just to take our souls to heaven, mm. but also to give us strength to fight for equity on earth. Yeah, earth. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So they make this reasonable request. They get pushed back. But here's what happens after that. You see the people are met with what is an undue or increased burden yeah. here in the text. Yeah. So they make the request, and look at what happens with the king. The king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you causing the people to neglect their work? Get to your labor. Mm. Pharaoh also said, look, the people of the land are so numerous, and you would stop them from their labor? you messing up my, my change. Mm-hmm. That day, Pharaoh commanded the overseers of the people as well as their foremen, don't continue to supply the people with bricks for make, with straw for making bricks as before. They must go and gather straw for themselves, but require the same quota of bricks from them as they were making before. Do not reduce it, for they are slackers. Mm. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our Lord. Impose heavier work on the men, then they will be occupied with it and not pay attention to deceptive words. So you see this request resulted in an increased burden. Yeah. And I think that sometimes as we look at texts like this, our reasonable requests are often met with unreasonable burdens. We see that pushback, but let's let's talk about what happens here in the text because there's there's just so much here in response to mm-hmm. their request. When he says that they're so numerous and you would stop them from their labor. Yeah, it, it's interesting to me that what he's, and we see this in some persons and personalities that I think are driven by spirits in the world today. People make an accusation of that which they themselves are guilty of. Yes, sir. So if the concern is that, Moses, you are stopping them from their labor, mm. then why are you then adding an extra step to their labor? That, mm. No, that, that's you, Pharaoh, mm. stopping them from their labor. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea is really what Pharaoh wants to do is he wants to quell any sense of hope or expectation of better, which is Satan's number one ploy. If he can get you to stop hoping for better Mm. or believing for better, he can certainly get you to stop working for it. Mm. And that is the that is the ongoing. That is why our feeds are are inundated with negativity it, it's a it's a part of satanic strategy mm. the what's wrong everywhere every time you turn on news you look at your social media feed or god forbid you go on twitter it's all bad 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 because what the devil wants to do yes sir is kill your hope if i can take that away if i can get their hope i can mm. take their energy mm. i can take their enthusiasm i can take uh their dreams and ideas mm. If I can just put them, and here's the thing, Mm. sometimes we mask or we, or Satan masks hopelessness in responsibilities. I got to make these bricks. Yeah. Yep. I got to make these bricks. And we pride ourselves on making the bricks. I get, I'm I'm getting the bricks made. Mm. So I don't have time to to really pray and, and, and seek God and I gotta get these bricks made. Mm. And I'm, I don't have time for, for, for going back to school or, or, or improving myself or getting in, I gotta get these bricks made. And we think, Phew, I made these bricks, not realizing that what we're building doesn't benefit anybody. Mm. These were monuments to Pharaoh's ego. Yeah. 
not anything productive for the citizenry of Egypt and certainly not the Israelites. Mm. Mm. And I think we are so concerned with making bricks because we find ourselves inundated with this sense of responsibility. Make sure that they have the same quota. They have the same obligations. They have the same markers to meet. Mm. Not realizing that we're building monuments to nothing mm. Mm. In, in that way. And, and the devil steals our hope in that way. The next thing you got to do. The next thing you got to do. The next thing you got to do. The next responsibility. The next obligation. The next assignment. Without pausing to say, is this even what? I'm best used for. Mm, mm. Is God getting any glory out of this? You mm. know, that kind of thing. Here's here's the here's the one of the most frustrating things about this entire process. Sometimes it be your own people. <sighs> Are we about to get in trouble? I'm gonna walk off the, the set. <laughs> I'm walking off the set. <laughs> what we see here in the text, in the text is that the people actually have their own participate in their oppression. My Lord. Look at who Pharaoh talks to. He doesn't talk directly to them. Mm-mm. Verse number six, it says that he commanded the overseers of the people as well as the foremen. These were Israelite foremen. Mm-hmm. Do not continue to supply bricks with straw for making bricks as before. Mm-hmm. They must go and gather straw for themselves. Yep. So these foremen were given the message mm-hmm. to deliver to their own people to help in the oppression of their own people. Mm-hmm. We don't see that no more, though. Mm-hmm. We just see it here in this text because <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore today. Yeah. We, we all together on this thing. Nobody in our culture participates in the oppression of our own people. It just don't happen today, P. I'm so glad it doesn't happen. (laughs) Pastor John, (laughs) hypothetically speaking, if it did. If it did. If it did. One of the greatest tragedies that would be true if that were happening, but thank God it's not, is that people have a sense that acceptance by the majority culture or oppressive culture Mm. is success, even to the detriment of their own, uh, or people who are oppressed with them. It amazes me how many people think that acceptance Mm. in certain circles makes them better or is a marker of success to the degree that they want to run from their own folks Mm. Mm. on purpose. (laughs) Correct. Because God forbid I am identified with Mm. that group of people. Mm. And, uh, but thank God, as you said, that was hypothetical. We don't deal with that anymore. But here's the crazy part. Those who participate in the oppression, if it's happened hypothetically, mm-hmm. let's say that it's happened. It's sick. Listen, man. Those that participate in that oppression tend to ultimately learn a valuable lesson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you might be black walking the halls of politics, 
But guess what? You yeah. still yeah. black. Yeah. Still. And that's what these foremen experienced here in the text. Mm-hmm. They deliver this message. The yep. people go try to gather straw. And then production goes down. Yep. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Production goes down. In verse 14, then the Israelite foremen, whom Pharaoh's slave drivers had set over the people, they were beaten mm-hmm. and asked, why haven't you finished making your prescribed number of bricks yesterday or today as you did before? Yeah. You know, even though you're privileged and oppressed, guess what? It's still oppression. It's oppressed. You may be the four person, you may have a title, mm-hmm. but guess what? You still gonna experience oppression. And when it comes down to it, when you mess up with that coin, mm-hmm. and when you mess up with whatever it is that they need you to do, you're gonna have the same thing happen that these foremen had. They were beaten just like they were slaves. Yeah. yeah. Because that's who they were, even though they had a title. Yeah. A title mean, meant nothing, very little, because they were of no social or economic value anymore. Yeah. yeah. It it this is why identity has to come from verse one mm. and not from verses six or seven or fourteen. That's good. My identity has to come from the fact that God calls me mine. <laughs> mm. God said these are my people. So that's my identity. Yeah. Even if I have shifting responsibilities or opportunities, because when people, old, the old saints would say, if man can put you up, man can put you down. Mm. And if that status is anything a person can give to you, a person can take away. But anything God gives to you, no person can take away. And these four men learned a hard lesson in that way. Mm. We, we got to hurry, Pastor John, because it's getting, it's getting, it's, it's getting, it's getting good, but we're getting some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that we see here in the text is that uh, these people are going to seek relief from those in power. So they mm-hmm. actually go to the foreman. Mm-hmm. They go to the people who are overseeing them. They have the connections mm-hmm. to the people who are in power. They know where to go. They know who to go to. They know how to get to Pharaoh. And they go straight to him and they say, um, in verse 15, the Israelite foreman went in and cried for help to Pharaoh. Yeah. Why are you treating your servants this way? No straw has been given to your servants, yet you say to us, make bricks. Mm-hmm. Look, your servants are being beaten, but it is your own people who are at fault. So they come mm-hmm. and they talk to him. Yeah. So they go to reason yeah. with Pharaoh. Um, but as they're walking these halls of power, they realize that it actually doesn't mean you have power. Yeah. It's not the same thing as being in power. Mm-hmm. Just because you can talk mm-hmm. to the mayor, yeah. just because you can talk to the city council person, yeah. doesn't mean they're going to see you as an asset right. in a way where you can talk to them any kind of way. Yeah. Now are you telling me what I need to be doing? Yeah. That yeah. ain't your role or your position. Yeah, and that's, again, the it is a, from a, from a spiritual perspective, it is, again, recognizing our need for divine help and seeking divine approval and access to God so that Mm -hmm. um, that sense of access Mm -hmm. does not always bear with it any fruit. The idea that you can access people, it doesn't matter who will take your call or your email, it doesn't mean it's gonna bear any fruit. Uh, And so being invited to a table where you are speaking, but you're not heard, 
<laughs> makes no difference. Mm. But we do have the opportunity to appeal to a higher authority. Mm. Uh, and what these foremen did was appeal to Pharaoh rather than continue to look to God mm. uh, to to be uh, to find relief from these extreme and ridiculous burdens. Yeah, you know? I always say that people that who look for seats at the table tend to find themselves in collapsible collapsible chairs. <laughs> so yeah. I think that one of the things that this text also teaches us is that uh, the people here are both miscast and stereotyped in verse number 17 and 18. Uh, Pharaoh responds to these foremen and says, you are slackers. Mm. Says it again, slackers. That is why you were saying, let us go sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. No straw will be given you, but you must produce the same quantity of bricks. The Mm -hmm. the Israelites are called lazy. Mm -hmm. Even with this reasonable request, even with the fact that now I got to go gather my own straw Mm -hmm. to make these bricks you over here calling me lazy Mm -hmm. and a slacker Mm -hmm. they got these stereotypes these microaggressions microaggressions that are happening from pharaoh talking about these lazy israelites Mm -hmm. again we ain't dealing with this no more yeah but if we were dealing with the myth of laziness Mm. and labor Mm. among black and brown people and quote-unquote welfare queens Mm. and hearing language that calls us lazy even though we're required to make bricks with straws Mm. i wonder what the pharaohs in this culture would say to our reasonable response to say well look at what you're giving us to work with Mm -hmm. And now you're calling us late. We're actually working harder yeah. than you mm-hmm. to earn something that you got passed down from generational wealth. Yeah. Yeah. It, it you know, the one of the two things that these kinds of stereotypes do. One, it in the mind of Pharaohs, it excuses their discrimination. Mm-hmm. And two it attempts to plant a seed to question your identity. Yeah. Uh, so one thing Pharaoh's doing is absolving himself of guilt. Mm. You're slackers. You're lazy. Now, they've been working 400 years mm. with no remuneration, no pay, no, no wow. benefits, nothing. Uh, they built monuments, I mean, with precision and, and to the degree that Modern uh, uh, builders cannot figure out how they did what they did with the instrumentation they had at the time. Mm. And then when you take away a part of the necessity of the work and they have to go find it for themselves, now the things slow down. They don't stop. They slow down because they got to go all over. Uh, one of the verses we didn't read says they have to go all over Egypt trying to find this straw. Yeah. Uh, now that they have to go find this straw for themselves and that kind of thing, now the accusation is the mischaracterization is you are where you are. You're not as productive as I think you should be mm. because of a work ethic issue, mm. not a socioeconomic oppressive system that puts you behind the eight ball in the first place. Mm. Uh, wow. and, and that reality is what pharaohs continue to do. They absolve themselves. I'm, that was my ancestors. I, don't, I didn't own any slaves. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
I have not I've not benefited from any mm-hmm. affirmative action that kind of thing. I I've had to you know I grew up poor too. Well, that's not the same as growing up black mm-hmm. and poor. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And that's this is nothing new. If I can distort the image of God in you, mm-hmm. then I can excuse my mistreatment of you. Yeah. And if I can just get to a place where I don't see you as human, mm-hmm. then I can treat you any kind of way that I want to. Or, or just, you can be human, mm. but you're just not as as human as I am. Mm. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to deny that you have some humanity, but I'm going to I'm going to ascribe to you a beast-like identity and behaviors, so that you then see yourself and then I can see you as less of a human being than I am. Mm, mm. And that, that's what we see. That, that's, that mm. continues to this day. Yes, yeah. And then we see these four men actually come back and confront Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, after they have trouble with, <laughs> with Pharaoh, they come and confront him. Yeah. And Moses ultimately learns this truth that is very important for anybody who is involved doing this work and doing and getting in some good trouble is that uh he forgets that deliverance ain't easy not easy it is not an easy and like you said it's a process mm-hmm. and and he learns this early on here as he now goes back and complains about the increased burden to god yeah god you sent a, sent me here to tell these people this mm-hmm. And look what he says. He says, uh, verse 22, so Moses went back to the Lord and asked, Lord, why have you caused trouble for this people? Hmm. And why did you ever send me? (laughs) Ever since I went into Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has caused trouble for this people. And you haven't rescued your people at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, So now he shows up. And he gets in God's face. Look. And he's saying, you ca- you asked me to cause good trouble, but now you're causing trouble for yeah. your people. Mm-hmm. And now you've, you've increased the burden based on the word that I said that you put in my mouth. Yeah. Listen, I had 10 questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to disqualify myself. And yeah. now, for, because of what I said, your people are now seem like they're suffering mm-hmm. and they're more, being oppressed. More. Yeah. More. It was bad. It's gone from bad to worse. Out mm. of the frying pan, into the fire, and God, mm. hold on. Mm. Why is it that every time I try, and somebody feels that right now, mm. socially, and you feel it personally, the more I try, the worse things get. Mm. And so you just, you know, you want to stay in that safe space. You know what I mean? That's the safe space of the trouble you know. Mm. You know, I, 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 I know this joker ain't no good, so let me just stay mm. <laughs> with that. Let me just stay at this uh, job where I'm overworked and unpaid because every time I try to get something else, oh, man, there's a rejection or something mm. of that nature happens. Mm. It's that constant sense of feeling defeated when you put forth your, your best effort. Mm. And hey, man, listen, you are not alone. Moses feels that. That's exactly what he feels, Pastor John. Yeah. He feels like, man, I, God, all I did was try. Right. <laughs> this is what I get. This is, and and it, and things have gotten worse. People getting beaten. Mm. You know what I mean? They done took the straw away. Mm. 
and 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 here's the last line. Mm. You haven't rescued your people at all. Mm. Can you get ten or fifteen folks out of here? Can we get can we get a mm. handful of folks free free or something? Can mm. can I see any improvement at all? And those early efforts and that 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 sense of 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 pessimism that ah oh, well if I try mm. it's gonna get worse. If I if I try to communicate they just gonna blow up on me again. Or if I try to, to talk to my kid about the faith, they gonna go further out in the world. Those kinds of things, that that sense of of feeling defeated mm. is because we forget deliverance ain't easy. Here's here's the thing that strikes me. It's almost as if Moses is like, okay, I can deal with the complaints of these people, mm-hmm. but now the house foreman then came my way, yeah, and I can't deal with the house foreman. Yeah, I'm using foreman, mm-hmm. but I can't deal with the house foreman. Yeah, because now he's come to me. Yeah, and now he's complaining. Yeah, I, I can deal with the people. Yeah, but now God, you, I, you. You done sent this guy my way, yeah. and I don't even like him, right? Because he's working for the Egyptians right. and right. oppressing us. Right. So now he is in this space. But here's the thing that that happened though: Moses had forgotten his initial encounter with God mm-hmm. at the burning bush. Yeah. Because in Exodus three, verse number nineteen, he says, "But I know, yeah, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled." by a mighty hand Mm -hmm. he'd already told him that even though you're going to go to him with this message Mm -hmm. and even though you are going to try to set these oppressed people free he's not going to let that go easily no and it's going to take me to let my people go yeah that he's not going to do that on his own accord Mm -hmm. that it's actually going to take me and my compelling hand yeah to help deliver my people. He has that message mm-hmm. that he got at the burning bush. Yeah. But it's almost as if while he's in it, it's hard. It's hard to receive mm-hmm. and to process that message because he knows for sure this is God that I encountered. Mm-hmm. Almighty and powerful God. Why is it that my initial message yeah. is met with so much more oppression for my people? Yeah. Yeah, and and it is easy to forget what God told you when you are looking the devil in the eye and he looks to be winning. Mm -hmm. It's hard. And that, y'all, we feel that in spiritual spaces. We feel that in social spaces. We feel that in our personal spaces. You know, what what did you say, God? And why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. I was fine in the... On the backside of that little desert, little mountain with them little with, with Jethro's sheep, I was doing good over there, mm. or at least I was comfortable, or 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 not a problem for anyone else. Mm. Um, but but God's sovereign plan yeah. is bigger than our present pain, and that reality is hard to remember when things go from bad to worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a reminder to us that, that this process of deliverance, we're talking about deliverance and duty, Mm -hmm. but deliverance itself, as we see in this text, and as we see in the history of our country of black culture, Mm -hmm. as we are part of a historically black experiences, that deliverance isn't a sprint. Mm 
Mm-mm. It really is a marathon. Yeah. That, as the writer of Hebrews says, that we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. that really have demonstrated to us how to persevere through adversity. Yeah. And that today, as we're experiencing just minor levels of adversity to what they experienced. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were able to put together movements in the midst of severe oppression. Yeah, yeah. And for us to not be able to to coalesce mm-hmm. and put together comparable movements in the culture and society where we have a little bit more freedom mm-hmm. as a people, yeah, it really says to that cloud of witnesses that we are a people that have more straw than you had in yeah. making bricks. Yeah. And I think that we have opportunities today uh, as believers, as as people of God, to be able to remind people that this is a long process, mm-hmm. that 2020, uh, when we talk about the lives of Breonna Taylor and we talk about George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, that that activism was spurred by folks who were really in a pandemic mm-hmm. and really wanted to get involved. Mm-hmm. But now we have to fight apathy. Yes. Which sets in years later when people feel like they may have closure. Mm -hmm. Now we have to push people towards this continued activism that's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Sustained, um, sustained effort toward total liberation Mm -hmm. is hard. You you know, you mentioned our four parents that, you know, for them, it was a lot of physical and, 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 and practical violence for us it is more psychological and emotional mm-hmm. now there is still physical violence out there i don't want i don't want to yeah. act like that's gone away yeah uh, that still happens we, we we see it as a part of the ongoing experience of of many people in an oppressed in oppressed communities but beyond that the psychological and emotional violence um is what seems harder to put your hand on yeah they got video of someone's knee on someone's neck, but it's harder to see mm-hmm. how the algorithm on my social media feed is continuing to put me in a negative mental space that is deliberate wow. for the sake of my own oppression. Yeah, uh, that the 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 misinformation, uh, disinformation campaigns that are are prevalent uh, that that keep me in a in a place of emotional and psychological instability those kinds of things so it's it's a it's a marathon and, and John I just want to give mm-hmm. the folks as we close tonight uh, a handful of scriptures uh, for our for our continued meditation especially this week and ongoing uh, so that we can have fuel for the marathon mm-hmm. uh, uh, so Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, verse uh, number 36 is the first one I want to read these into your hearing um, and then uh, and then we'll close tonight so Hebrews 10 36 says for you have need of endurance so that after you have done God's will you may receive what was promised first Peter 5 and 10 is the second one I want to give you just just for the sake of your meditation, not not a lot of explanation, but just for you to chew on and meditate. 
Hebrews chapter two, I'm sorry, first Peter chapter five, verse 10. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Mm. Last one is Romans 8 and 18. That's the last one, and then we'll close tonight. Romans 8 and 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. I want to encourage you to stay in the fight, uh, to stay in the race, to not give in to pessimism or despair or apathy, but to endure. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Growth Factor Podcast. We told y'all we're going to be getting into it this season. So we're going to continue on our next episode. But I just want to give you a couple reminders. Number one, we have a growing community on Facebook called the Growth Factor. We have over a thousand members over there. Pastor Chris is our campus pastor over there. She's going to help shepherd you uh, through some of these issues that we've been talking about. Also, got something special for you. We actually created a book for this particular session that book has fill in the blanks you can follow along with us as we move along through it you can go over to smart.org and go into our store and pick up a copy of that book for yourself and then finally i want to make sure you all are aware that we are coupling this teaching with our preaching on sundays so make sure you go over every sunday morning at 10 o'clock we're virtual Uh, We have a virtual service that you can join and we're going to be teaching through or preaching through the book of Exodus this fall. So make sure you couple this teaching on Wednesday with Sunday morning. I promise you that you'll be blessed by it. Make sure you go over, follow our podcast on all platforms, leave us a rating and review. And then finally, make sure you share this with your community, because we do believe that as we move through these deep waters, that you will be delivered with us. Have a good day. This has been The Growth Factor, a broadcast ministry of St. Mark Baptist Church. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our Facebook group, The Growth Factor, for daily motivational content. Let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for listening.